This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. How do? This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Hit subscribe or follow now and you will never miss another episode of this show, including any of our interviews with former Premier League footballers, which is exactly what we're doing today. And you've got me, I'm Jim instead of Niall, but on today's podcast, we're speaking to someone who played hundreds of games for Chelsea and Everton, Scottish winger Pat Nevin. Getting up in the morning, smelling the air, knowing you've got a game in the afternoon, thinking, I cannot wait to get out of there. And that is the most brilliant feeling. I want to be out there playing football. This is just a perfect day for football. A familiar voice from his commentary duties, but in his playing days, Pat used to love the buzz before a game. But he admits himself he wasn't really supposed to be a footballer at all. I turned down Chelsea for an entire year because I thought the degree was far more important. I'm playing it football because I love it, not because I want anything out of it. So I was very happy to stop, but I played it for the joy of it, not for anything else. Pat is a brilliant storyteller and you can hear more of his tales in his book, The Accidental Footballer, his autobiography. But let's get stuck into today's chat which includes a whole load of those stories and some slightly dodgy maths from me as well. This is Pat Nevin. Delighted to have on today's podcast a Scotland legend, a man with over 100 games for Everton, with almost 200 games for Chelsea under his belt. Pat Nevin, how you doing, Pat? Fine, fine. And I'm going to correct you right away. Oh, God. (laughs) Go on, then. That's league games. Okay, Uh, so how many games is it total if we count everything? Everyone does that because you always check up on Wiki. Yeah, of course. 245 for... uh, Chelsea and well over I can't remember how many it is for Everton quite a few anyway well I, I guess it's part of the stuff you've been looking back over because you've had your book 
come out. What's it been like going back and looking over the quite phenomenal career you've had? It was extraordinary because I'd never looked back. It's, it's like that in football. You have to look at the next game or the next couple of games or next season or look ahead. And the minute you look back, it's almost an admission of, oh, you, the old days were better. So you, you're trained and it's almost Jesuitical. <laughs> and you get to uh, be a footballer that you never look back. So I, I played a whole career, nearly 20 years, never looked back, never checked it. And then ended up doing this, these other jobs like, an executive role and then became involved in the, the media side of it. And then, honestly, it was so many years later, I thought, quite right about that. I have to look at it. And I was really surprised, A, about some of the things I'd done, but B, how I thought, because I'd done some diaries so I could look back in them, but see how much fun it actually was writing. I didn't tell anyone was writing. I didn't talk to any publishers. I just thought, no, I'm going to sit down and write. And I completely lost myself in it. And it was so quick and it just spilled out. And it was an utter joy, so much so that I, I didn't stop. I'm still doing it. I'm still going. <laughs> but it was great fun. You said there were moments that surprised you. Were there actually moments that you look back on pretty significant things that you'd completely forgotten that it kind of took you back to that time? Oh, yeah, loads of them. <laughs> you know, specifically, I mean, you don't remember all the games. I played something like 850 professional games in my career. You won't remember them all. There's no chance at all. And then it surprises you the things that stuck out, you know, the moments that stuck out. Some of them were, you know, really good goals or, you know, massive big games or, you know, making a great goal, all that sort of stuff. But some of it was, that wasn't the important parts. The important parts were, I remember meeting a, a man walking out of Stamford Bridge. I used to live nearby and I just walked to the ground and back. Mm. Change days for Chelsea players, I can tell you. And they just started chatting to me. And he said, oh, I came out to see you today. And it was uh, lovely to see you. And I enjoyed it and I was entertained. And I don't get out much. And I went, oh, really? And uh, I went to chat to him further and he walked away. That might have been the most important meeting I had in my entire career. And I know it sounds odd, but I walked the rest of the way home and I thought, that's why I'm doing this. So that I can entertain people that I may never meet, but I can give some joy. And I wasn't doing it to make money or to be famous. In fact, all those things were either secondary or of no interest whatsoever. I did it because I loved it and it would be a good idea to give a little bit of joy back while I was doing my creative stuff. And that moment stuck with me because there might be other men and women like him that had a great day because, you know, hopefully I've done something that's entertained them. And so it wasn't just the big moments. It was mm. other moments that stuck with me that I hadn't thought about for years. And then I thought, wow, yeah, that was, that was kind of important. That changed me. Do you think that's something that's missing from football nowadays, that kind of connection between player and fan? I remember reading Stanley Matthews' autobiography and he talks about his England debut. And I know Stanley Matthews is a different era to you, <laughs> Pat. I'm not saying it's a, the same era, but in terms of like, he would walk from his house, his terraced house in Stoke to the train station to get the train down from Stoke to London to make his debut on the Wembley pitch. It's the kind of like everyday stuff that modern players don't do. And the further we've gone down the line, the more detached I think modern football is from the people who actually consume that sport and this idea of it being a working man's sport. Do you think football really misses that connection? I actually think it's a choice. I, I, I know people think it's odd to say it. You don't have to live that life. You know, that rarefied atmosphere and not dealing with society. When you talk about Stanley Matthews, I'm 20, 30 years after him. Mm. The first time I went to Wembley to watch an England-Scotland game, I didn't watch. I played and I got the tube back. Now, everybody else was on the team coach, but I thought, no, no, actually, I live in London. 
the game's finished. I just walked to Wembley Station and get a trip back down to where I lived in West London. And you can actually be quite normal. Now, there are dangers in it, to be honest, and it's maybe a wee bit more difficult now with so much media. But in actual fact, if you are sensible and know the certain places where you really shouldn't go, it's too dangerous and they're a bit silly, you actually can live quite a normal life. And, you know, there are players, and I often talk about people like Juan Mata, you live a fairly normal life and go and see normal things and do normal things. So it's not totally a choice, but it's partially a choice. And they're kept away to some degree in that little bubble. And it, it's not just the fact that they can't relate to fans and it's becoming harder and harder for fans to relate to them. They can't relate to reality sometimes. And that's a danger. That's a massive, massive danger. So it's interesting you asked me that question because all the way through the book, you'll say, I mean, I had this argument with all the players. My nickname at Chelsea was Weirdo, right? <laughs> and I was saying to them, no, no, I'm the normal one. You lot are all weird. You don't get it. I'm the normal one. I do normal things. I'm just like everyone else. I'm not trying to be Mr. Big Famous. Anything like that. I don't think I'm extra special because I kick a ball. And they thought I was strange. But I honestly deeply believe that I was a wee bit more normal than them because I would live a normal life or as close to it as I possibly could. And I have come out at the end of it. And I'm, I think, fairly well balanced. And I see some of the damage that's been done to them. And I think I knew that. I was very old-headed when I was younger. And I could see the dangers of, in simple terms, living, if you are what you do and you're a footballer and you're famous, it's not going to last forever. One day, it's going to stop. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Do you have to deal with that? Do you have to turn to something else like drugs or drink or whatever to try and find a new you or find that buzz that you thought you were? So I always made sure that football was what I did. It wasn't who I was. And I actually thought maybe it's a wee bit more deep thinking than someone would have considered but I also thought it was safer. And I think it's safer, it would be safer for modern players to get that sort of help, to understand that, you know, yeah, you kick a ball, you make a few quid and you're in the papers and you're on the telly, but so what? You're just a bloke. <laughs> Is that kind of where the title comes from? Because it's called The Accidental Footballer, your book. Is it kind of the idea that maybe you were wired a little bit differently from your, your fellow players? Very much so. I came from a different direction. I mean, I'd, I'd been doing a degree. I mean, I was at Celtic as a schoolboy, the book actually starts with them saying they're not going to take me on as a pro. And me thinking, I wouldn't have even said yes if you'd have asked me. But I'm like going to do my degree. <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm playing at football because I love it, not because I want anything out of it. So I was very happy to stop there. And I did stop there and only get enticed back into it because I loved playing football. That's the bit to get really, really up front. I adore playing football. I loved it. And nothing would have stopped me playing. But I played it for the joy of it, not for anything else. And it's, it's hard in the modern world when you see a lot of people talking about you have to push to get to the front and be famous and be the best of the best of the best and all that sort of stuff. I was just doing it because it was a joy. Um, and the idea of doing it professionally had actually never occurred to me. I was playing in a boys club game somewhere later and I kind of got spotted playing against Clyde Reserves. And their manager said, well, why don't you come play for us? And I said, no, I don't want to be a professional footballer. Uh, I'm doing a degree. And he said, well, you could do both because we're part-time. I went, mm-hmm. And he said, I'll pay 30 quid a week. And I went, where do you sign? <laughs> <laughs> and because I was a student, I was into my music. How many albums could that buy? Oh, that's all I cared about. So I had a very different beginning. But even the fact that I was playing part-time with Clyde, it still wasn't my intention or interest to um, become full-time professional. In fact, I turned down Chelsea for an entire year because I thought the degree was far more important. It's not a line 
to say you know, I was the accidental footballer. I tried really hard not to be one. But in the end, a, a number of things happened. Things started going well with Scotland youth. Ended up going to the European Championships, getting player of the tournament. Ended up having to go to the World Youth Championships, which meant I would miss final exams. So I took that two-year contract with Chelsea. And the total understanding with myself and the authorities that I could come back in two years and finish the degree. But much to my shock, within a year, I was player of the year at Chelsea. <laughs> What's getting on here? And it is a very, very, very... I mean, we won the league that year to get promoted to the top level. And it is a very unusual way of coming into it. But mm. I was still doing it. And, and the dichotomy here, and this is a, a very important part, I was utterly dedicated to it. It's not that I didn't care. I loved it. And I trained harder than anyone else. And I was a distance runner. So I, all that sort of stuff. But I still didn't want to be who I was. So all my mates were musicians or actors or sort of bin men. You know, I didn't hang about with footballers because mm. I didn't want it to completely and utterly take over my life because I, I could see what it would do to other people and did do to other people. Do you remember what you spent your first £30 wages on? Do you remember what albums you bought with that money? I think I may have to take my girlfriend out to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the first tickets I got for a gig, there was a wee band that had just changed their name. They were called Johnny and the Self Abusers. And I wanted to go and see their next concerts. And they changed their name. But I went anyway. And uh, anyway, the Simple Minds were quite good. And, then, <laughs> the time, and uh, they became very big. And just a few weeks later, there was another band who were supporting them called U2, who nobody knew. So I went to see them. And I was kind of into that sort of stuff. And then it was New Order gigs after that. And I was just a big gig goer as well as music buyer. That, that was my real passion. I mean, I loved the football, but that was my real passion. The music I was spent. what I spent my time doing. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I want to do, talk about Celtic, actually, and the fact that you kind of started your footballing career there, but you were rejected by them. And I know you grew up a Celtic fan, and I was going to ask how it impacted your relationship, trialling for a club that you loved and then 
kind of being knocked back by them, whether it then damaged that relationship and damaged your fondness for that club. But it sounds like that that wouldn't have had an impact at all because your focus was elsewhere at the time. Yeah, absolutely no impact at all. To give the exact detail of it, I'd been playing for Celtic Boys Club, which is not Celtic Football Club, but I'd also been signed by Celtic Football Club as an S firm. There was a link between the two clubs. And at 16, the expectation was that they would, everyone thought because I'd been player of the year and scoring lots of goals that I would be taking on. And all the players that had been player of the year before me, such as Charlie Nicholas and Roy Aitken and David Moyes and there's millions of them, Tommy Burns, all went on to play for Celtic, Paul McStay, but they didn't take me on. But I, there was no way that I would do anything other than keep on going and supporting them. And yes, I would, two weeks later, I'd been on the terraces in the jungle supporting my team. Absolutely no effect whatsoever in how I felt about the club. Not a moment's worth of bitterness. So there's no bitterness yet. I mean, it's a long story, but my team now is no longer Celtic. It's Hibernian. I changed. I'd done the unthinkable. I changed. Um, I don't hate Celtic. There was just things happening that, you know, with the bigotry that involves, you know, the the West End of Scotland. Mm. And that's not Celtic or Rangers. It's just the whole feeling. And I didn't want my children to live through that. So uh, I kind of, we up sticks and uh, I I was too... I was too mean to buy a new scarf, so I just chose this. <laughs> green and white scarf. And I've had a lovely time there, but I've no bad feelings about Celtic at all. Didn't have then, don't have now. But it's, it was a very, very unusual time where people always expect you to have this bitterness. But you work long and hard to find bitterness anywhere in, in the book or in my personality because it's a bit self-indulgent, that. And I don't really think I'm very self-indulgent. I find myself too ridiculous to, to take myself that seriously. <laughs> I spend most of my time working in England. All of my games are covered, 99% of the games are covered now are in England. But, you know, I'll be at the Scottish Cup final. Uh, I do the Scotland games for Radio 5 Live. The Accident of Footballer isn't your first book. It was a book you wrote in the mid-90s that was your first book called In My Head Son, which yeah. was about the mental health challenges that you felt personally as you reached the end of your footballing career, which looking at, looking at it, it's quite ahead of its time. I mean, nowadays, mental health in sport and in football particularly, it's a bit of a buzz. There's a lot of attention on it. And finally, people are taking it seriously after dismissing it for a long, long time. So when you wrote this book in the 90s, did you feel like you were writing something that was pretty forward thinking at the time? Sadly, my life's been a bit like that. You think of the anti-racism stances that I was taking in 1983 and 84. And you look at it now and you're thinking, yeah, what kept you all? (laughs) (laughs) And various other stances that I've taken them. I just didn't understand why everyone wasn't standing beside me shouting as loud as I was. You know, certainly by the time I co-wrote that book, I wrote my part and the sports psychiatrist, he wrote his part and it was a debate. And my idea, it was a, a book many years ago called Life and How to Survive It by Professor Robin Skinner and John Cleese. And it was kind of quite high-minded in its way to look at these problems. They weren't always mine. They were sometimes what I seen around me. But you have to put on top of that, I was always by the often I was also by this time chairman of the PFA. Now, as chairman of the PFA, it's part of your, your position to make sure that you look out for you know, the difficulties that the players are having. Um, so I was acutely aware of some of the difficulties, and that's why I wanted to, to look into it and discuss it and you know, be quite open about it all. I was quite austere in those days, <laughs> quite earnest in those days. And maybe there was, you know, I'd write it differently now, and this book is, you know, it's not co-written, it's just written completely by myself. And I think it's, it's kind of a lot more fun. <laughs> I'll say that. It was a lot more fun to write this one. That one was just a season and it was drilling deep. But this one is an overview of looking back and being able to you know, use hindsight as well as 
not rewriting, certainly not rewriting, because one of the things I thought was very important within the writing, definitely not to reevaluate what you thought then by the standards of today. That's too easy. I wanted to say, look, this is what it felt like then. And these are the reasons why it felt like And this is why people acted that way then. There's a kind of lot of rewriting of history by people who, you know, see light in a different light now because they have matured and moved on. I wanted to tell people, not necessarily how I felt, but how football felt back then. And it's strangely enlightening. One of the, there's a whole chapter in a book about homophobia. Now, I was shouting against that back then. <laughs> Whereas you look at it now, we've not even got there yet. Yeah. So that was an interesting book to write. I have to say, I absolutely have had a lot more pleasure at writing this one because apart from anything else, there's a lot of fun in it. There's a lot of joy in it. You know, most of the books you'll read now, it's about, oh, my journey and the terrible things that happened to me and it's awful and, you know, that's a hook to the book. I'm sorry you're not going to get that much in this one because I was having a ball. (laughs) (laughs) I had difficult times, but no, it's not about that. To be honest, that comes next. Part two, uh, the second part of the book, which uh, I have actually written, is finished. That has got that sort of stuff in it. And I did go through that, those more difficult times in the second part of my career, latter parts of my life. But this one, no, it's a kind of a moment, or I say a moment, but it's all the way up until I'm at the age of 26. I think it's an insight. And it's not just to people who are watching football at the time. Younger people now who think they know what football's all about, it's a kind of interesting historical document to go. And I think they'll say, well, you mean you were Chelsea's player of the year. You were earning 180 quid a week. Your rent was 100. Your tax was 60. You had 20 quid a week left. <laughs> and, you were 20, and you were Chelsea's player of the year. Thank God for the bonuses. That's all <laughs> I can say. And it's interesting to say, and there's no bitterness in it. Mm. You mentioned Stanley Matthews earlier on. I did so much better than him financially. So why I have nothing to complain about. Was there an element, a part of the book, that you were tempted to maybe rewrite a little bit that you you felt maybe awkward including or you wanted to reframe in a slightly different way but you had to kind of overcome those temptations in creating it do you know that it's a brilliant question I'm, that is a fabulous question it's one of the best questions i've been asked and the reason why it's a it's the unexpected answer no and the reason why it's no is i don't mind putting myself in a an unflattering light because i kind of laugh at myself and mm. um, i hope i generally behave quite well most of the time but if something's unflattering in me, don't worry, I'll laugh at it. You go online and type my name in, the first thing that'll come up is a penalty I missed. Now, I might have scored 150 goals in my career and created hundreds. But the first thing you'll see is a complete and utter disaster of a penalty kick. <laughs> and I'm really happy to write about it. And I wrote about that. And, and it was fun writing about it because people do take themselves too seriously. And one of my heroes is a guy called Humphrey Littleton who's a, a jazz player, but also was anchorman in a, a comedy called, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue on Radio 4. And he used to say, whatever happens in this life, keep an iron grip in the ability to be silly because <laughs> your soul gets dried, he's called desiccated. You know, and another friend of mine, a, a girl called Heather O'Reilly, which is a very, very famous American soccer player, world famous American soccer player. And we were chatting recently, and she's read the book, and she says, you don't take much too seriously and I said you know it's you know, it's, you're only here for a short time you've got as much joy out of it as possible and she said a brilliant line she goes yeah none of us are getting out of this alive <laughs> but that is brilliant I love that line why did you not say to me before I wrote the book <laughs> I've stolen it so I will laugh at myself and I will see the negative things in myself maybe the most important thing which is related to that question is 
there's people I disagreed with in the game. There's people that I didn't get on with in the game. But I will tell you why. But I will also understand their position. And I will also take the time to get their position. And I think that's how you learn in life. And that's how you grow. You don't get a set of ideas and just stick by them. You listen to people. You learn about other people's point of view and why they have that point of view. And I've kind of always been a bit like that. I really have always been like that. And uh, there's a lot of stuff. And one of the people I didn't go on was a guy called David Speedy, who was one of the three of us who were the three-pronged attack at Chelsea. Who, mm. in, in our time, we were very famous. We scored a lot of goals and we were very successful. All of us became internationals quite quickly. But Steve Speedy and I didn't get on. But I didn't hide that fact. But I, and I absolutely wrote about it. But also wrote about the fact that I made the efforts efforts to find out why he wants the way he wants and in the end I understood him I wouldn't say he was ever my best mate but I understood him because mm. I, I took the time to understand him so did I want to change anything? Nah I just wanted to be straight Before you go, one final question. Obviously, you've spent this time going back over your career, reading your diaries, reminding yourselves of these moments. Having done that, is there one point from your entire footballing career where you close your eyes and instantly you feel the way you felt at that time? You can smell the same smells, you can hear the same things. Something that's so ingrained from being so important that you, you'll never be able to forget that one moment. God, you ask good questions. And, there are, and I'm, I'll just be straight, I'll always tell you an honest answer. Do you know, it's, it's actually days in early spring when the weather's changing and it's just getting back to you. You can feel the smell of spring in the air. And it wasn't necessarily when I was a professional. It was any time in my life from the age of five, six, seven onwards. And I felt all the way through my professional career. Getting up in the morning, smelling the air, knowing you've got a game in the afternoon, thinking, I cannot wait to get out there. And that is the most brilliant feeling. You almost can't explain how much of a dopamine hit it is. Mm. Of it's, There'll be some smell of fresh grass being cut or something like that. You know, and you just think, I want to be out there playing football. This is just a perfect day for football. I'll be honest with you, I still feel it in again. Not that often, but you'll go to a game. I've seen, I've been to a lot of games this season. And you kind of feel those, you get those smells and those kind of feelings every now and again. It's not every game. And it's a lovely lovely it's not even memory it's a feeling and it's a brilliant one to have and there is a bit of you that thinks did i really do that did that really happen uh, well i've written it down in the book now so it must have <laughs> football social daily Nice one. Thank you very much to Pat for talking to me and thank you for listening to today's football social daily interviews you can find more of these chats with the likes of manchester united defender wes brown and Wolves legend Matt Jarvis by spinning back in the timeline. Go and dig them out. And we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast dealing with the latest football news from the Premier League. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.